Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 62 of Double Density. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. So, Angelo, last week you had mentioned meeting up with Tyler of the RGBA podcast, and you mentioned their name uh, twice. So uh, now, if we're using Candyman rules, if you mention their name thrice, then they may actually appear. So if I just say RGBA? Like three times, yeah. RGBA? Two? RGBA? Three. So, folks, this episode, we have some special guests. <laughs> we have Alex and Tyler of the RGBA podcast. Good evening, guys. Good evening. Hi. So, I have, uh, I've grabbed your bios from the website, so I'm going to st- try and make you sound a little official here. So, Alexandre Valliard-Lagasse has been a tech writer for more than a decade on multiple publications, including Branchez-Vous, Future Shop's tech blog, Best Buy's Branchez-Trois, and Blog de Geek. Over the years, his articles were picked up by other major tech blogs, and he's lucky enough to break news a few times. Tyler Menard is a web developer constantly seeking out new technologies to master. Tyler is active online on a number of technology sites and is an active participant at local meetups. He shares a love of consumer technology and all things Apple, and he's writing his experience and ideas in the shape of pixels on Hipster Pixel alongside Alexandre. Together, they host RGBA, a podcast that looks at new gadgets, technology news, and discussing the impact on our lives with the occasional coffee discussion, which is not something that we do here on Double Density, so you're going to banish all coffee talk for this, if that's okay with you guys. Perfectly fine. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, thank you for having us. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, coming on board. It's weird to hear your your, your bio read like, read like that on a podcast. It's uh, it's uh, special. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my first question, to you guys, is how did you two meet? Okay, so I was uh, I started an internship in 2014, and Alex was working at the same company, and basically he was helping me set up my PC, well, our computer at the time, and and I said, wait, wait, just give me a second, I have to install one password and. The rest is history, basically. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's actually it. Like, uh, not love at first sight, but close because <laughs> between geeks, you know, if you're using one password, you get like bonus points right off the bat. So it, it's great like that. So we worked together for like what, like a year and a half or something? Not even. Not even. I didn't yeah. stay at that job for a year, so. Yeah. So then we parted ways, but we still hung up uh, on hung on on Slack. We created a slide just for us for fun, and <laughs> <laughs> like nerds do, because everybody needs another one. Yeah, of course. If you don't have 10 slacks, you, you don't have your gold medal of nerdiness. So, <laughs> And yeah, since then, uh, well, like you like you read my bio, I've always been writing about tech. And I started to, in 2015, I wanted to write in English just for the, the fun of it. And I created a new blog for that. And I threw ideas at Tatters about the design, the look, because we both love uh, different writers like uh, John Gruber and company. So we... I wanted to do something that was similar, but not exactly the same thing. And basically, we just ended up writing together on that site. And as things goes, uh, podcasting grew and grew. And we always were listening to the same podcast. And we decided to just jump ahead and create one. So the website came first and then the podcast. So uh, why didn't you guys stick with the name Hipster Pixel for the podcast too? Simply because it's going to be stupid. It's because of a layout issue. (laughs) Because having (laughs) the same name... And like a couple of subsequent posts on the side didn't look good. So I wanted to have something that was just different, like different logo, same colors, but different logo, just different look, just so it, I don't know, it just piles up nicely on the homepage. I like the idea of uh, an aesthetic choice for the name of your podcast. And so your podcast is named RGBN. So uh, to the uninitiated, why is that? Well... We wanted to have something that was close to Ipster Pixel because it's basically the same content kind of, but just in a spoken manner. So Ipster Pixel, Pixel, a Pixel being a uh, set of uh, red, green, and blue uh, light. 
And the A is usually stands for alpha, which is a transparency. Or so, Angelo. Yeah, exactly. But we added the A, no? <laughs> there was no A at yeah, the beginning. Yeah, but that's the thing. At the beginning, it was just RGB. But then I had a pun, which was 24 bits is not enough because eight bits per color and then another eight bit for the transparency, which adds up to 32 bits. So, but, but that pun was way too geeky and nobody understood what? it. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so we just changed it for colorful tech news and reviews. But wasn't it because of a like domain we couldn't get or something or like a like a social account we couldn't get oh, with the A with, yeah. without the A? Sorry. Yeah, you're right. It's the domain. I think <laughs> RGBA RGB.FM was already taken, and I absolutely wanted a .FM domain. You guys splurged <laughs> for that thing, man. Yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah, it's about like eighty nine dollars per year or something. I'm there. We're there with our five dollar .net account. Well, if I could have got a .NET account, I would have also, but RGB is way too common. Oh, yeah, for sure. And Angela and I thought we were nerdy and picking double density. Our decision process was clearly not as well thought out as you guys, so I, I, I applaud you on that. And, and you guys mentioned that you bonded via podcasts. I remember that's initially how I met Tyler, because, was it, Brian, a few years ago, you had made a joke about having out-of-body experience when going for me to go buy the uh, AirPods. And yes, you were standing in line, yes. Yeah, and I wasn't actually standing in line. And then somebody tweeted at us, and it ended up being somebody who works with Tyler. And then Tyler ended up going and giving him the pod. He had bought him an extra set of AirPods or something. I can't remember the exact story. And then I noticed Tyler had had a podcast on his account, and that's then how he started listening to the show. Right, so that was it. I, I had bought a, a pair, like, as soon as they came out, I had this alert system. So as soon as it... It came up, I bought a pair, and I wasn't sure they were going to fit. So then I gave them to my friend Trevor, who then tweeted about it, and that's how it, it worked out. Oh, yeah, and then you started talking about a MacBook Adorable. I'm like, nobody knows what a, nobody right, calls it that right, unless right. they listen to Hello Internet. So then we No, do you, do you listen to all the great shows? You yeah, said. exactly. That's what you said. So. <laughs> or something like that. So then we realized we listen to the same shows. Angela does the heavy tech lifting uh, podcast-wise. Between the two of us, Brian hardly listens to any of the podcasts that the three of us listen to like right. I barely listen to podcasts in general. Yeah. It's sad. It's very sad. Well, it's also like when you are writing all day, uh, having a voice in your head is very distracting. Yeah. Your job does not uh, help and is not conducive to podcast listening. Whereas mine totally is. That's yeah. That's all you can do. Same for us. You are always coming up in the overcast, super high smart speed saving things too. And like up on upgrade or something like that. Yeah, I I think I had mentioned that like they had asked uh, how many hours has anybody saved in Overcast because right Overcast counts how many hours you save because of the smart speed, and um, I'm currently at 980 hours saved. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> how much are you, Alex? I'll dig mine up too. 293. I'm at 312. Where would I find this? Hold on. Uh, 16 hours. 16 hours. Yeah. There we go. So well, the other thing too is I tend to use the native podcast app because I don't have the premium one, so I can't bring offsite. Oh yeah, um, like offline um, podcast into the fold right now. It's only stuff that you can uh, stream or download. So um, if that got taken into account, I'd probably be troll digits. Oh maybe yeah. I, the thing is also I started using Overcast the moment it came out. Like I was listening, uh, I, I saw that he had tweeted that it was out. And I downloaded it right away, and of course the first podcast I listened to on Overcast was his own podcast, Mark Armit's podcast, uh, Accidental Tech Podcast. So it's, uh, it's a very nerdy affair on this end. Yeah, the first time I listened to Overcast, I was actually in my garage painting a little uh, bookshelf for my sons. 
And the very first podcast I listened to on Overcast was actually a retired podcast from a couple of friends of mine uh, who were doing a French-Canadian tech show. And it was just their last episode that I was really listening to. And I was, just for fun, I wanted to get something in Overcast to see, to test the smarts because that was the big feature. And so, yeah, so that's what I listened to. And then after that, I listened to somebody else's podcast about Marco and coffee. So, yeah, full circle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny that we know the moment we first started listening to Overcast. I was at Disney World. Nice. Because it was in July. I was crossing the street to go to school. Double density. Uh, so a question for everyone here, and I'm going to leave this in uh, very vague intentionally. I'm kind of curious about your answers, but like what makes uh, both a good podcast and a good tech podcast? Like what do you gravitate towards? Like what draws you in? All right. So I'll start with one thing that's very easy is the content. Uh, what I like personally in a good podcast and even tech or even like a, a sci-fi or uh, even just like a regular documentary uh, type podcast is the content. So it has to be interesting. First of all, from interesting is something I haven't heard before, if possible. If not, you have to bring something different to the table. As Angelo is listening like me on a bunch of Really FM podcasts, the same content comes over and over, but it's always presented in a different way. And sometimes if you want to get the full picture, if you get into those kind of networks, uh, you have to listen to a couple of shows to get every angle of a specific topic. So that's what I really like in podcasting. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, especially a, a network like Relay, it's like a close-knit family, them, the 5 by 5 ones, and then there's like interspersing between the two or three networks out there that have the same people on different shows. It's kind of interesting. Like uh, Merlin Mann is on, what, five or six different podcasts on a couple of networks. Do you feel like that's almost like too much? Well, uh, it depends. For people like Angelo who can listen during the day, no, there's never enough. But for people right. like you, uh, Brian, or me or Tyler, who actually writes or code during the day, it's hard to listen to somebody talk constantly. So I only listen to podcasts uh, in my commute or when I do outside work on the in the yard in the yard or yeah, that's basically it. So for me, I got maybe like 20 shows I listen to and I almost listen to everything. Sometimes I would skip like a 20 minute here and there, uh, but that's like at what, I, what I could listen to at most is that if I add one more, then the next week I'll have to remove something because it just doesn't fit. All right. What about you, Tyler? I say I'd started all my shows because of like the hosts. Usually I follow the host somewhere else. Like all the ATP stuff was from Marco and Instapaper and all that. And then I was like, oh, this guy has a podcast. What's a podcast? Let's listen to this pretty much. <laughs> the same thing for like the, like I listened to a lot of car related podcasts and it, I was a guy on YouTube and he kept promoting this podcast thing. So I started listening to that and it's pretty much how I, I think I, I go through the host first and then if the content's good, like you guys are saying, then I stick around. I'm the same as Tyler. I, I go through my podcast because I, I kind of know, oh, this I like this guy's writing or whatever. A lot of my the podcasts I listen to, they're all like tech bloggers. Uh, like somebody like John Gruber, I started listening to the show because I was reading his his blog. And then I realized, oh, this guy has a podcast. Let me start listening to that. Right. I mean, like, I, I think it is a combination of both, right? Like the, as Tyler saying, it has to be both the host as well as the content uh, being created. And do you feel like there's like, there's going to be a, a saturation point being hit with like this kind of content though? Cause there's only so much news to cover in so many different ways, right? Especially in the tech sector. Well, personally, I really like like the chemistry between the hosts and all that, like the, just 
the guys or girls, whatever, talking together besides the whole content, I kind of zone out sometimes and I don't actually listen, sorry, to like <laughs> the whole like tech explanations and all that because I've heard it so many times, but I just like hearing how the hosts interact together and how they like play off each other and and like that whole part of the show also. A lot of tech shows that I listen to, I don't listen to because of the content. The problem is I, I often just know already a lot of the content because I read it online or whatever. I'm sure you guys are the same way. You're not listening to these shows for the content itself in terms of, you know, oh, uh, there's a map program out. You know what I mean? It's more that what do these guys you, have to say about it? Why are you spoiling our content for the rest of the show? <laughs> what? Oh, sorry. Just put a big... Put a big beep yeah. on that one. <laughs> <laughs> like censor it oh. out. Thanks, Angelo. Just spoiling everything. All right. Well, there you, you go. he took away the ability for me to say the word panspermia a couple of episodes ago, and I'm, I'm still like <laughs> smarting from that. So, <laughs> um, so I'm curious. Like, uh, if you had to give like a, a very quick elevator pitch, I know that I did in the intro about your podcast, but like, if you had to describe your podcast to someone else, like a family member who doesn't necessarily. Uh, get what's going on like how do you approach that because for me i've had a lot of difficulty uh with my decidedly like non-tech family and trying to make them understand what i'm up to so i'm curious if you guys have had like similar conversations with like people around you about how to describe your podcast well actually my kids because like they're young so they're not exposed necessarily to podcasting so the elevator pitch i would i gave them is basically like radio because they all heard radio in the car so it's like radio uh, host discussing different topics weekly it's recorded and the fun thing is that your phone auto downloads the episodes for you and you listen whenever you want so you don't need to be tuned in at a specific time you just listen when you are ready to listen and i think they got that and if kids can understand that i think that's a good pitch for anyone uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't uh. Yeah, I also go with the radio all the time. It's like a radio, but it's on your phone and you don't have to tune in. It's basically the same thing, same pitch. And the uh, the only question I usually have after that is, if it's recorded, then who's the audience? Because the, <laughs> the only thing, like, if there's if yeah. it's recorded, like, there's nobody live. And it's just, no, they just download it and your audience is whoever downloads your episode and listen to it. So, okay, makes sense. And that, that usually <laughs> makes it. Yeah, and then my dad always wants to know if people call in. I'm like, no, 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 it's recorded. <laughs> yeah, no phone <laughs> on lines. a Saturday morning. Although some people uh, they uh, they message you and ask you to order them a cap, and then they try to meet you in person, which is weird. <laughs> like, don't do this anymore, guys. Just FYI, just don't do this anymore. <laughs> well, we're trying to bundle up on shipping. Yeah. Oh, for sure. We saved four dollars each. Did you <laughs> did you tell your wife what you were up to? Yeah, she's like, sure. Uh, you need a cap. Order one. <laughs> Very, very utilitarian. <laughs> <laughs> but like your show specifically, if you had to like describe it in a few words, what would you say? Uh, I would say two good friends discussing tech, but also explaining a couple of the intricacies of each and every news bit uh, in a simpler way. Um, probably because of my writing background, I always like to explain things exactly how they can be understood by most people. So, for example, we spent a couple of episodes discussing the gray key uh, little boxes, those little devices that oh, the, yeah. the FBI and law enforcement agencies can buy to plug in an iPhone and try to unlock it by force. And there were ramifications of that device in the market, and Apple responded in a very specific way. So just explaining that news bit and how it really 
works and how people can understand and visualize the whole thing. So, And the other angle is rumors. Uh, all of the corners we have, like we have a rumor corner, which is fun to discuss what will happen if this rumor is real or fake. And then the reviews. So we have gadgets that we usually get for uh, our written reviews and we discuss our experiences with them. Uh, usually we have kind of a first impressions kind of short bit. And later on, the next week or following weeks, after we've been playing with those gadgets for a little while, then we come back with the little nice uh, ideas that the, the company put in there or the problems we have. Yeah, you get you get actual review units, don't you? Yeah, yeah, for, for many, many things. Actually, more units than I could have time to <laughs> review because it's after a while, like you, you, you're kind of like it's easy to ask and then it's, it's hard to find time to actually do the work. So I have a backlog right now and I, I will have to get through that eventually. I should ask Apple for an iMac Pro. Yes, please, please definitely do that and uh, CC me in all of your correspondences. <laughs> uh, speaking of correspondences, though, and uh, this isn't something that we mentioned in the show notes, but uh, once in a while we get spam through our listener feedback. Um, so I wanted to read this to you guys and tell me what you think about this one. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to read this like literally, like I'm not fixing grammar or anything. I think this is great. So it starts exactly. Do not panic in bulk situations. Deleted data can recreate. Even if you have cleared the trash or did not used the trash when deleting files, do not be discouraged for this. It is not necessary to be an expert in the field of information technology. You also do not need to pay hundreds of dollars to a specialist professional for restoration of your remote information. This is apropos of nothing. Um, so if someone's trying to pitch us on data recovery uh, with clearly fake links that I'm not going to click. Well, and wow. it's because of our, our name, Double Density. They're like, oh, these dudes still use old disks. They must have to recover data. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> and then it's like, uh, it's best discovery, best data discovery.info slash how to recover a Word document useful tips. Dot are you. Uh, those aren't, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. These are not useful tips at all. I, I've always complained about those spam emails because... If I were to do a spam email or a fake website, it would look legit. Like I would take the time to make no grammar mistakes, take the exact Desjardins or National Bank or whatever website and copy and paste the code and make sure it looks exactly the same thing. And I could I could actually do it and get, I don't know, like thousands of maybe logins for that. It's not that hard. I don't understand why those people, they just do crap like that and hope it works they could have such a higher success rate if they would put some effort the problem is it does work yeah that's a problem maybe it does actually work like that one time i replied to one of those emails and i asked the guy does it actually work and he just <laughs> responded you have no idea <laughs> before angela and i knew each other at work I, we used to spend friday afternoons answering a lot of these emails just for fun so we'd all take turns doing that and uh, yeah they're very like direct with their answers uh, I do remember that one of these like inheritance people uh, claimed that they were in London. So I said, oh, hey, me too. So I made one of them go stand on the street corner waiting for me, <laughs> uh, which was not one of my better moves. But what like, if you're going to email me like and try and like embezzle money for me, like I'm going to make this very awkward for you for a while. Uh, briefly, we touched upon the content of your podcast, but I know that Angela loves talking about this stuff almost to like my detriment. Um, so uh, what is your podcasting setup like? And also, can you uh, like not make this short, like elongate your answer to like 15 or 20 minutes? I was about to say, like, now we're going to get to my favorite part and ask what yeah. your setup's like. Well, watch, what, watch what you wish for, because I can talk a lot <laughs> if I want to. I don't. <laughs> I, I, I was worried for Brian tonight. 
because he's going to be surrounded by three guys that have a lot in common when it comes to like podcasting and listening to podcasts and podcast setups. Because I think all three of us pretty much use the same software to record, the same software to edit. Uh, I th- uh, though you guys use uh, Windows PCs, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, both MacBook Pros. Uh, Tyler is a 13-inch, I'm a 15-inch. Uh, the setup did not change that much. Um, it actually started, I had a loner unit for a uh, sound device, uh, the big one, like the the big recording thing that's like $800 that all the USB Pro Pre-2. Yeah, oh, the Pre-2, Pre yeah. Yeah. So that was- You used that? M- I used that for a couple of months because they oh, forgot wow. about me. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I kept quiet for a couple of months, hoping I could keep it for a little while longer. And that thing is amazing. It can power any microphone. There's like gain f- until forever. And it's it's just too amazing. Hence uh, the I, I price. Yeah, hence the price. And it's it's like a brick. You can kill someone with that easily. So that's that's what I had at first. And we both had like ATR microphones. But being a, a gearhead like I am, I wanted something better. So saved up my money and got myself a Shure Beta 87A. Oh, that's my so, dream microphone. Yeah, well, Same. It, it, it's great. It's great, but it's not perfect. It's not dynamic. It's super condenser, so it doesn't pick up too much noise. Um, from from our podcast, you can see that my kids are running around, but you don't really hear them, so that's not too bad. But I'm in the basement in an office closed by four walls, so it, it's 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 okay setup, but it's it, I would love to have like a dynamic mic. And anyways, I would have a lot more gear than that, but just for now, I've got my mic. I've got my Onyx Blackjack, which is the interface I purchased. And uh, a Rolls mute switch for when I cough and I burp and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am riding the fader, hoping that none of my neighbors make any noise. Oh, your your drug dealer neighbors? Yeah, exactly. Who like, uh, yeah, 3 a.m. again for five minutes. I don't know what you're up to, dude, but uh, probably not pizza. See, the three of us live in the suburbs. Brian lives in yeah. inner city Montreal. <laughs> you know, the jungle. Angela refuses to come meet me here. So. <laughs> I'm in the comfort and warmth of, of St. Hilaire, where uh, uh, all yes, we see are UFOs and uh, possible ghosts. I think the ironic thing about you asking about the podcast setup question is that I have a BA in like sound design. And so like I've spent like years doing this. I'm kind of like fatigued by talking about it. Whereas you're, you still like, you want to know all these things and I, I envy you uh, for that. And so I need a little bit of that in my life. What about you, Tyler? Okay. So like Alex said, I have a MacBook pro, but the MacBook escape, we call it in the <laughs> podcasting circle there. It's the non-touch bar 13 inch. Um, I learned something with Alex. You have to just wait and he's going to like go through gear and you can buy off his old gear or he gives it to you. (laughs) So he gave me his old Onyx Blackjack because he's supposedly had a problem powering his mic, but it's fine for mine. I still have the ATR 2100, I think. It's the USB and XLR mic. It's like a hundred bucks or something. Um, And then audio hijack, I guess, to record. And that's pretty much it. And then for editing, we I use Isotope RX six first to clean up the tracks, add the EQ, do like all of the uh, sound fixing if you want. Yeah, and then I ship others the the tracks, and he does the editing and cutting everything. Uh, but at this point, like I, I try to remove all the noise and everything, so the tracks are pretty clean once he gets his hands on it. And with the uh, Logic Pro uh, silence feature, uh, remove silence. I think it's pretty easy to. Just move the books around after that. Yeah, that's basically it. 
there's one more there's one more part though after all that recording is done and the editing is done then it's the actual file transformations uh, file com- conversion and then uploading and for that i wrote whole, whole suites of scripts for that so <laughs> <laughs> of course you did of course i did and i even <laughs> shared with you guys uh, through your contact form uh, my little yes. uh, script uh, thing i did so once i get the the raw wave file from tyler then i kickstart my script which actually uh, ask me questions. So what's the episode number? What's the title? What's the description? And then it auto-generates a MP3 based on Marco Arman's recommended joint stereo setup and everything, all of the FFmpeg settings. Once converted, then it uploads the uh, show art for the episode on my Dropbox, ready for me to post through Instagram. It also uh, generates a video, which is a one frame per second uh, video of the episode, so I can upload to YouTube. It also now uploads to YouTube automatically, sets to, uh, to private, just so I can review it and publish it once I'm ready. And also I added last week, or two weeks ago basically, um, sending that uh, file through another uh, converter to convert it to, um, what's it called already? Flack and then, text. yeah, and then upload it to Google Cloud to get it to speech to text to do the whole transformation so I can have actual words on the transcript, which is awful. So if you guys click on our episodes, you, you'll have a fun read because it really is far from being what we were saying. So it, it's very fun. Well, it's, I was looking at, at one from a couple of weeks ago, and it's like, uh, it, it is a literal translation. So if you say it's, it's, it's three times, it says it's, 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 it looks like a sputtering robot telling you <laughs> things. And I, I, I think the excerpt I had was you guys doing a bit of coffee talk. So it was, it was super intense and weird, uh, but also like delightful. Yes, it is. It's actually very fun. If you have to hold, you have to hold yourself not to write, read the whole thing. So for example, the latest <laughs> one we have is, Welcome to RGB, a colorful take news and reviews. Uh-huh. This is the 223. <laughs> My name is Alexandria Legacy. <laughs> so, so we don't have a bit of more information about how Apple will now circumvent law enforcement that are using some technique to bypass iPhone security. So you, you see like a couple of sentences make sense, but as soon as you throw in a couple of French words or names or uh, product names, it's, it's crazy. Well, this is the perfect segue into our first thing we want to talk about is how voice assistants adjust to different languages and accents. And this is kind of along the same lines where this thing is having a trouble uh, basically because, so because we live in Quebec and Montreal specifically, we tend to mix uh, words sometimes, right? We throw in French words for certain things and we all have different accents and these voice assistants have a lot of trouble with that. And there was a story in Wired about how Alexa was going to France and what it took to teach uh, the Echo French. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy how you get different results with different companies, uh, depending on how they want to approach this. And also, like you said, French from France is not the same as French from Quebec. Oh my God, and, not at all. <laughs> and, and and the results can be drastically different. And it's not funny. It could also be like a different language. And also not only like um, is is uh, French from France different, but regional dialects too are, I think, vastly different. Uh, I feel like uh, Quebec has a more homogenized kind of way of speaking, not necessarily uh, exactly perfect from coast to coast, but I feel like that's more similar um, in tone and inflection and things than when you go to France and different regions give you vastly uh, different ways of saying even the same words. And it's not a large country. That's the weird thing is, 
it's so small and you just take one hour of driving in any directions and you get totally different dialects. And that poses a huge issue for our voice assistants, for them to understand. And that, look, people like love to complain about these things, but just the fact that they understand this at all is pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. It is. And they, they, they don't provide the same accuracy, but they all try very hard. And that's what we need, because otherwise that technology will not be used by a large percentage of the population. And especially for Google, for Google, what they do here in Quebec, they actually have people working in Montreal on that uh, voice understanding algorithm and they teach it using people from Montreal. So I actually know someone who works on one of those projects. They can't really talk about it, but globally they can mention that they do that. Nice. And it's it's super fascinating stuff, as you're saying. And something super interesting, too, that the article brings up is the idea of the tutoyer and vouvoy, right? Like the idea that, like, that doesn't exist in English. When you say you, it means you. But to use tsu in French, you know, is kind of an informal way. And vu is is the very formal way. So uh, having uh, voice assistants trying to figure that out, as well as Angela was saying, like the article was saying, the word weekend, right? So, like, uh, French people love, can say the word weekend and it makes sense to everyone. But to drop an English word in the middle of a French sentence can uh, create its own set of problems, too. The French people do a bunch of English words inside French, like parking, uh, shopping, everything is French. Everything in French is in English. Yeah, they get they get in trouble for that here, though. Yeah, because we find them weird. But so that here, like, weekend is fin semaine. Yeah, because every time we leave on, on Fridays, I say, bon fin semaine, and they all reply, bon weekend. <laughs> <laughs> where I used to work with Alex, and where I'm sure where he works now, too, like, half the people are French. From France. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I work in a place that's like, it's split down. Like, I spend half my day speaking French, half my day speaking English. And and we actually have, I have one of my physically closest coworkers, the, the woman who works behind me, is actually from Cannes. So it's kind of fun to like pick her brain about this kind of stuff. Right. So uh, we sent her the article last week and she was agreeing with all of it. And she said it's it's a very interesting linguistic mess like to find yourself in. Right. And French is just so complicated at like at its base. So I can't even imagine and try and interpret, not like trying to understand everything and from every single like region, all little words that they use, it must be like a huge mess. Like if I look at it like as a programmer job, it must be horrible. <laughs> That's why yeah. you can't program it. You need AI and you have to I know. develop learning models and they're going to learn. But some, somebody has to, to code that AI. Yeah. Yeah. I just and have feed to it. let it run and let it do. It's thing is going to take years, but eventually it's going to learn. Part of the thing is that they have people sit in rooms, right? And they talk to machines. The machines aren't judging them. They just, they take in all of the information. They sort of start to parse it out with the help of other humans. But they, yeah, at its core, they like, you'll, they'll sit people down in front of microphones for hours at a time and sort of have very regular conversations, kind of like the ones we're having right now, actually. And uh, just having someone uh, kind of oversee the, the machine learning. Yeah, but Alex is already feeding that machine with our show. <laughs> the Google thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you guys have, so you guys, I know for a fact, have, both have HomePods. And, uh, nope. Oh, I nope. thought you had a, oh no, you, you tested, you tested Tyler's, right? Exactly. Okay. And, uh, do you have a voice assistant at home, Alex? No, apart from my non-working Siri, <laughs> I had a Google Home for like a month last year. Okay. And that was my best experience, far from anything else I had with uh, understanding even my kids, uh, even my youngest son, who was nine last, uh, eight last year, uh, he he was being able to be understand by Google, whereas Siri rarely understands him correctly. 
You have nothing at home, right, Brian? Apart from Siri? No, and I've turned I've turned Siri off on my phone. Yes, because you work next to somebody whose name is almost Siri. Yeah, and so and it happened today too. Actually, a coworker of mine, their phone went off and said, "Nice job," and we <laughs> we had no idea who was being complimented. It was really weird. <laughs> uh, so so unfortunately, yeah, I think that like it's like this really weird side effect is that, like we're kind of like the guinea pigs in a sense of like testing out all the kinks live, and we've paid for these things too at the same time, which I think is kind of. Um, uh, counterproductive, but I guess that's what it I is. Got mine free. I got mine free with my smoke alarms. I keep saying that. Right. And you've welcomed Google into your I home am, ever since. Yeah. yeah. Free with big, huge quotes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you, Tyler, you just have Siri at home? Yeah. Yeah. That's and, all. I don't have, I've never tried Alexa. I've tried Google Home, but while visiting a home, okay. like uh, with my parents, but that's it. And uh, so what do you use Siri for usually? Uh, every morning when I wake up, I ask the weather when I'm putting my socks on and <laughs> to, just specific. to pick out which, yeah, no, but it's exactly there. When I open the drawer to pick my socks, I, I'm going to, I'm about to put my shirt on. So I want to know if I want short sleeve or long sleeve. So I ask Siri and she tells me, and oh. then when I go downstairs, I ask, um, on the HomePod for the Subnet podcast. It's like a short minute to two minute show, just about two, three topics like news topics for today. And that's it. You know, for that podcast now on Google Home, I've actually checked it off in my Google Assistant to be what plays when I ask for the news. Oh, cool. I yes. can't do that with HomePod. So I just ask for the news and it'll play It'll play uh, sub, uh, Subnet first and then it'll play CBC News. And here I am like a pleb, you know, refreshing Twitter every couple of minutes. You get the newspaper, right, Brian, from the newspaper boy? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It never gets stolen by any of my stupid neighbors. <laughs> Do you really get the newspaper? <laughs> no, I wish I did. No, uh, a couple of years ago, I did. I have I have a bunch of reporter friends signing up with a free subscription to Globe and Mail for a year, which was great. Um, but after that, I was like, I don't think, and I live inside of a building, which makes it a little bit harder. Like if I were living inside of like a house or a duplex, it'd be easier, but I don't trust the people around me to not steal the things left at my porch. Uh, backtracking a sec though, Siri does, uh, we were talking about Siri a second ago. Uh, one of the things Siri does uh, do quite well is understand a multitude of languages so far, which is kind of cool. Although Alex said it has trouble understanding his kids. Yeah. Well, <sighs> I, I'm I'm torn between this because I like that it supports many languages, but I would prefer it to just reply I don't understand the request instead of giving me a false positive. Like in my Ooh, that's a good one because yeah, in my HomePod review I asked it specifically for Fuji song "Killing Me Softly," and Siri did understand me because she gave me a song that has the exact same words, but it's it was not that song at all. It was some other band with a super like three lines long name that I don't remember. And the worst thing is I just asked right afterwards, play me the best song by the Fugees. And it was exactly this one. So, <laughs> so like the, the, the context is there. She understands me, but she doesn't, does not give me the right thing. And that just pisses me off. Here's a question for you guys. Cause I haven't had a lot of experience using one. If you just yell out, no, what happens? Nothing. She, That's she nothing. just blabbers on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I do find uh, Google home is good. When you say, st- like you say, stop, it stops. But you've never yelled out no specifically. <laughs> no, I have yeah. not. Or like you idiot, you you buffon or whatever. Buffon? You, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about me pronouncing words wrong like subsequent. I know, I know. Buffon. <laughs> so, uh, so maybe that is something that isn't a future uh, voice assistant update. The ability to just treat it like a really bad animal. All I want is a computer from Star Trek. That's it. That's the ultimate goal, I think, at this point. Yep. I, I do find, though, that uh, the... Um, 
the Siri command, the wake up thing on newer iPhones works super duper well. I pick up my wife's phone all the time too in the morning. Like everything flashes in the room. <laughs> the iPad flashes, the phone flashes, the phone on the other side of the bed flashes. So I don't know if I have like a feminine voice or something or maybe like a subtle cue and it picks up on her phone and it closes it up right away. When mine picks it up, like hers goes off, but it's just weird because it flashes. It may also be just a, a sound thing, right? Like it's so quiet in the room that, you know, anything gets picked up. I don't know. Well, if anybody wants to let Tyler know if he has a feminine voice or not, uh, his Twitter account <laughs> will be on our guests page. <laughs> right. I also thought that maybe you were going to suggest like one of us just sleeps at the foot of the bed at night and just, you know, as a sociological experience, you would have insert myself into Tyler's <laughs> life even more. <laughs> Exactly. First the podcast, then every other aspect of life. You know what, Angela? It sounds like you uh, have a bit of a uh, boundary problem. I'm going to be making the rounds on all the podcasts soon. (laughs) Just breathing heavily and asking how breakfast is going. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The big news of the week, though, is something that a lot of people have been waiting for in the Apple sphere. And that is the fact that the MacBook and MacBook Pro uh, and their faulty uh, keyboard setups will now have repair options. Uh, formerly, uh, Apple uh, hasn't been the best about dealing with these issues, and I feel it's because they didn't know how to solve them um, on a grander scale. But yeah, it's a it's great news for anyone with a MacBook. And it's a long repair program, too. It's a four-year thing, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, but why just four? Just put it in definitely, really. That's true, actually, because people keep them long, because they're usually two or three years, these things. This one's four, which is the longest I've seen. But yeah, people keep their laptops five, six, seven years. Well, it's plan obsolescence, so. Well, yeah, I have one word for you, coffee grinder. That comes back to my coffee grinder story, where the plastic <laughs> parts actually dried up over the years and started to crack. So I'm guessing it's the same thing with the, the butterfly switches, is after a couple of years, maybe six or seven oh. years, the plastic may break down. And then every keyboard would need to be replaced. So it doesn't really Uh, add up into a monetary sense of things. That's true. And these keyboards out of warranty were, I think, seven or $800 to repair because it's not just like you flick out the key and just change that. You have to change the whole cover of this stupid thing. Yeah, but that that starts another full story about how Apple now modularized their computers. Beforehand, like a couple of years back, maybe five years ago, they made sure that every part that was susceptible to be breaking could be replaced easily. And just look at the first generation's Mac Mini. This thing was a little puck. You could just open the bottom by unscrewing a cap, and then you have access to the hard drive and the memory, like right there. Nothing else to remove, no motherboard to unscrew, no no uh, data cables to remove. Everything was there. And over the years, they still kept that mentality of having modules but they started to add them in the reverse order. So if you want to get to the keyboard, which is a thing that is the most exposed, you have to go from the underside and remove everything until you reach the keyboard, which for me makes no sense. Two things could break, well, three things actually on a laptop, the screen, the keyboards, and the trackpad. These are the things that you touch the most, that you manipulate the most, and you, even no, the screen. You don't you, touch the screen. <laughs> well, after a couple Please of hours of iPad session, after a, couple of, <laughs> after a couple of hours of iPad session, you touch the screen. You start to peck your screen. So that's my uh, my iMac is almost is two and a half years old now. More than that, actually, and uh, my screen is still pristine. My children do not You're touch like it. The John Syracuse, right? Because you're crazy about letting your family around. Oh yeah, I do not let them touch the screen. I I clean it. I buff it out if there's ever any like 
spec on it. It's uh, I'm a little crazy. The problem is, is my stupid computer is in the middle of the living room, and uh, this makes me crazy during uh, family get-togethers. Yeah. None, none of you have the actual keyboard, right? Except me? No. Except you, yeah. No, I have a mid-2012. Uh, you, you have one, Alex, but it's it's work issue? It's, it's work for work, issue. yeah. Yeah. And I like maybe use the, the, the laptop itself on my lap, maybe 10% of the time. There's a time it's flipped and it's either on a kind of a dock on my desk or at home it's behind my Thunderbolt display on a little support. So I, I maybe use it 10% of the time. So it's, it's going to last because I don't really use it. And there's no crumbs or dust that can come close to it because it's always closed. But I was still not looking forward the day that this thing would break and I have to go see IT and send my computer over oh. for repair, then transfer all my stuff to a new computer for like a week or two. And no, that's a headache. Do the whole dance. Oh, yeah. But you never had an issue, Alex, with your keyboard? Never, ever. Not a single day, not a single uh, letter who got stuck or nothing. So it's still great. You got four years now. Yeah, and now yeah. Uh, after you mentioned on the show, it's Friday the 13th this week. So uh, there we go. That's it. I'm screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Two last items before we head on over to the paranormal section. The first is uh, Angelo had some kind of uh, pet peeve thing. I (laughs) kind of tuned out halfway through the story. Uh, So I'm going to let you have the floor on this one. And I feel like you're going to lead us somewhere interesting. Well, no, it's just I was at um, at my kid's talent show this week. And something that drives me bonkers is seeing people take video and pictures in a darkened like theater type thing with the light on like flashes and light it doesn't do anything you're so far away and all you're doing especially in a video is lighting up the back of the heads of the people standing in front of you and making them go crazy and uh if i have one thing and the best part about that is that if you have autofocus on really all you're focusing on is the back of exactly and it kind of goes back to like many years ago many years ago many months ago when we talked about us uh and how to take a good picture of a ufo well, this like goes even at a smaller level of taking a good video of your kid at a talent show. Do not turn on the light of your phone. It's doing nothing, and you're just annoying the people in front of you. It makes me crazy. Almost as crazy as uh, portrait video, which uh, is something that Instagram... Is, is a thing that's being thing, yeah. Yeah, Instagram, TV, portrait you, you, video. You're losing that war, man. Yeah, no, I know, I know, I am, I am. I realize that soon we're going to be buying TVs that are vertical instead of horizontal. Oh, but don't you realize that aspect ratios are just uh, like a construct? I guess, but your eyes see vertically, not horizontally. So that's why it widescreen is good. Sure, but I mean, like we as a society decide these kinds of things, right? Well, if I decide, it's I decide vertical, <laughs> not vertical. I, I mean, feel horizontal. like you're like you three, decide vertical. Yeah. <laughs> see, I feel like you are like like a month away from like uh, self releasing pamphlets here and just wandering around. I have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you're preaching to the converted like you really need to go out into the the public and let them know that they're screwing up yeah maybe i'm gonna put a blog post and then uh we'll see we'll see what people think have you the, tried the, telling has anyone people? else uh, have you talked to them well yet? i knock phones out of people's hands on the train sometimes <laughs> i see them doing things that are wrong you walk bad? in the metro and just smack everybody's phone that's force quitting in their apps <laughs> oh my god force quitting apps people <laughs> come on this is the greatest hits of things Angela despises. Well, you know Let's what? keep going. I'm, uh, with, about I'm with people that agree with me on this. So there we go. 
Oh yeah, you're not gonna get any disagreement from me. I just I find it so amusing how you get so worked up because like I get you want best practices for everyone, but at some point, like people are gonna be people, and that's unfortunate, but that's also a way of the life. sad thing is, is I really have to hold myself back from telling people stuff on the train. Like I really <laughs> I'm almost that crazy guy who will just start talking to people and saying, you know, you don't need to do that. But I don't do Okay, that. so here's a question for you. Um, are you going to ground your children for force quitting apps if you see them doing no, it? No, I'll I'll tell them nicely at first. At first, but if they do it over and, and over issue again, warnings. I'll, I'll take away their phones. I'll give them an Android phone or something, <laughs> <laughs> or just like a really unfortunate like flip phone, like a burner. Yeah. Oh man, a Nokia candy bar phone. Yeah, just keep like buy a bunch of like twenty dollars pre like pre installed ones, and just like when when they're acting up, hand it to them. Yeah, they can play Snake. <laughs> Uh, Tyler and Alex, have you guys seen anything weird this week tech-wise that you got really angry about? This morning in the train, the guy was force quitting right next to me. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah, but the, you, you can't do the force quitting. But I've I've confronted friends and like family about the vertical video thing, trying to explain to them. But they're always, the, the excuse is always, yeah, but I'm only going to watch this on my phone. I'm never going to put it on my laptop or put it on my TV or anything, so I don't care. What kind of life is that? And it, the worst one was a friend was taking like video of his kids. And I was like, no, <laughs> like you, you're going to want to watch this. It's like his first words or something. Oh. They're vertical videos. So, but she, she wouldn't, she wouldn't understand. And the worst case is when you have two kids side by side and they keep it was on exactly filming that. vertically exactly and going from one to the other, like constantly, like, you know, you can just <laughs> turn it to your device and have them both in the picture at the same time. They were both sitting on the couch and they were like playing with stuff in their hands. And all you would see was like half the wall on top of their heads. And you can see like the two hands on the sides. And it was awful. I did witness that actually at the uh, the talent show where somebody was uh, videoing vertically. And the person next to them, I guess, like the, another family member tapped them on the shoulder and like made them turn their phone. Nice. Was that it? Was it like an older member of the family? Yeah. Oh, even better. Bonus points. Yeah, yeah. it was a, a roughly like somebody in their 50s or so. So they kind of like, hey, uh, film it properly. To go back to the force quitting, uh, I, I, I noticed people doing it and I'm not too crazy about that. I just let them be. But the worst thing is when you're like, let's say you're on a bus for like 25 minutes and that person picks up their phone every five seconds to open Facebook, refresh the feed, force quit it, then wait five seconds and then do it again and again. This one, I was this close to just yelling at him. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, guy, you're you're on your app every five seconds for twenty minutes. You can just leave it open. Like, yeah, your ba- your battery is gonna thank you later. And and then there are the people that turn off their phones. I've seen that on the train where somebody takes out their no. phone and they have to no, turn it on. No, 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 no. They're just you're done with re- it. They're just like, I'm good now. Yeah, no, they'll, they'll take it out of their thing. I see them turn it on. The, the Apple logo comes up and then they use it for something and then they turn it off. I've seen that several They're just times. like phone time is done now. It's like yeah. now back to reality. Yeah. <laughs> phone time. Yeah. I'd love to live a compartmentalized life like that. Like, you know what? I have my three minutes of phone this yeah. morning and then I move to magazine time. You, you got to come between 8 and 8.03. Double density. To finish things off here in the text section, uh, we were joking in our group text about really nerdy things. And uh, so uh, some of the things that were talked about were pens 
and Japanese jeans. Uh, so I figured uh, the floor is yours, everyone, to talk about uh, a, a thing that you are very nerdy about that isn't necessarily tech related. Yeah. So pens, that was my subject, just because it's the kind of thing that once you start to look into it just a little bit, not too much, not to get crazy and buy those special metal pens, whatever, you just start to look at the different like big or any other brands options and then you start to realize you prefer gels or then you st- you prefer those with a big reservoir of ink and like the pilots and then you just just evolve like that and not that i'm very far in that little nerdy thing but i got a cosmos which is a fully aluminium pen just to match my my macbook and it's a single mechanism which is just like a pull or push uh, from the middle and that takes out the ink, uh, the, 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 uh, the tip. But I didn't like the ink that they chose. So I went back online and found a Parker special set of uh, ink reservoir, which were gel. So that's even smoother to write. So I get the, the nicest pen that I think I can find for a reasonable price, about 50 bucks. And I got little reservoir for eight bucks, which were uh, like a godsend because I get that exact same feeling that I have with other pens that I've stumbled across uh, uh, during my life. And now they're merged together. So it's uh, perfect for me. That's pretty nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you can go like nerdy or geeky or whatever into like absolutely everything you and really anything. So I, the whole jeans things was like kind of a joke because <laughs> I have, but it's a joke, but not really a joke. <laughs> yeah. I had a friend to talk to me about it. And then as you do, you just go online and then you fall in like this Wikipedia rabbit hole and I know how like to make jeans and I know like everything about jeans now. So, and there's this company, it's a great company in Montreal. They make their jeans from Japanese. It's called raw denim and it's just like this special jeans, nerd jeans, we call them. It's kind of going back to the roots of what Levi's was in the 18 and 1900s, where they were actually good quality denim that could last like 30 years. Like, and that's 30 years of field work. It's not 30 years of office work. And now that we went f- f- the total opposite where if we can get it like a $2 pair of jeans that is the cheapest as possible, but will sh- will shred in like three weeks, then that's what we find in every every store. Yeah. But this this movement of going back to the raw stuff is quite nice because the, the pairs that Tyler suggested me to buy, they look nice. They look of a high quality and I'm sure I could like wear them for 10 years, no problem. And then you, you, even if they're more expensive, you end up saving money because you can wear them for so long. As long exactly. as they don't gain too much weight or anything. <laughs> yeah. I cannot wait to schedule the tweets for this episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that about, much more expensive. They're 100 bucks. Oh, okay. It's not oh, that that's bad. not too bad at all, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I once I had idiots in high school who would spend like five hundred bucks on a pair of like diesel jeans, for example. And yeah, like but those, those are like, like designer jeans. It's not the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah, like torn up too, yeah. right? Like pre-torn. You know, which I was like, why even do that? I I make my own things, like my own marks and all that, because I wear them so much. Like they get so old, they have time to to like get used. Yeah, Tyler specials. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for your Etsy store. Yeah. <laughs> There we go. So I think uh, it's time to go to Paranormal, Brian. Let's do it. Hello, all you curious creatures out there. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we are the hosts of Into the Portal. 
If you like myths, legends, history with a paranormal twist, join us every week as we explore lesser-known mysteries of our world and beyond. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and all other major podcast platforms, and at IntoThePortal.com, your gateway to the bizarre. The only question is, do you dare peer into the portal? Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So the first thing is that we want to explore with the RGBA guys a little bit of their history vis-a-vis the paranormal. So either uh, Tyler or Alex, uh, you guys can uh, describe a bit of um, maybe like uh, when you were, you know, children and teens, was there anything odd or weird that attracted you? Or is it just uh, anything as an adult that kind of attracts you beyond sort of like the the day-to-day? So anything sort of like paranormal um, that's out there? All the UFO stuff was always something that I was very interested in. So not necessarily as a true believer, wanted to be half skeptic, half believer, but I just hoped it was real. You come to the right place. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my, my, very, my first love, if you want, in turn into paranormal. But then I, my dad bought a set of books uh, called uh, L'Univers de l'Étrange, which is kind of like the Mysteries of the Unknown series. But it's not actually that. It's something different. Uh, it's not Time who who published it. But it's a set of books. I had, I think, like five or six of them. One was about like the mysteries of the human body. So any weird thing like self com- uh, spontaneous combustions and stuff like that. So And they had some gory pictures in there. So as a kid, like a nine-year-old, this was kind of made an imprint on me. So, <laughs> And there was like one about the nature stuff, like uh, raining frogs and stuff like that. So... Uh, yeah, at the same time, we were doing like our, our Catholic studies at school. So I read like the, the Bible and all the parts about like the end of times and everything. I'm like, oh, that's kind of like in the same thing that I have in my book there. So <laughs> and all those images in my head were running around. It was crazy. And then I had a phase about like um, moon landing skeptics. So that, that was fun also trying to to pick at pictures like the, 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 the crosshair is behind the astronaut. So that's a fake picture. And then the rock with the, the C stamped on it. So that's an accessory. So it's a studio thing. So that was fun. Have you seen uh, the documentary Room 237? Nope, not this one. Okay, so it's basically, uh, Angelo, uh, I think, watched most of it before it was taken off Netflix, but it's these people who overanalyze, and I use that term very, very literally, overanalyze the movie The Shining. And one of the main theories is, of course, that Stanley Kubrick uh, helped film a fake moon landing uh, in London, and they go way too deep into why. As conspiracy theorists do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the human brain is is wired to find links between things and to see patterns where there are none. So this is just like pushing our nature to the limit. And exactly. That's just crazy. But yeah, it's like a, the nine 11 uh, thing where like the pillars, the middle pillars were like cut diagonally, like at 45 degrees. And that's like a technique they do when they do demolition. So it was like rigged and everything. So it's, but it's just like one photos of one metal part thing. And, but if you just try to look for patterns, you're going to find some patterns and then you're going to explain stuff like that. So, so what you're saying is that you don't think that jet fuel can melt steel beams. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Tyler? Like what, when you were a kid, like was anything like super interesting to you? Did you gravitate towards something like I was talking to my sister recently and she actually mentioned uh, something that I didn't realize, but she was really into like ghosts, but never talked about it as a kid. So I thought that was super interesting. And I think we'll say that for another episode, but I'm kind of curious on your end, what you were interested in. I wasn't like uh, paranormal. It was more conspiracy 
especially because of my, like my dad was really big into like the JFK documentaries and movies and, and Oak Island and all those things. So nothing really paranormal, more, more conspiracy theory stuff. But those are still along the same lines. They're a lot of fun right. because there's a mystery involved. Mysteries are cool. That's the thing. That's the name of the episode right there. Mysteries are cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like your dad was like a true believer, I guess, in all these things. Yeah, and everything. Everything is a is like a fix and set up and everything. Absolutely right, everything. Right. So then like how do you react to that as both like a kid and as an adult? Like now looking back where you like Dad's crazy. I should have put my foot down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I'm pretty much like, I'm with dad. <laughs> like, yeah, he's right. Everything oh. is fixed. Everything is a, a a hoax. Everything is like a setup. Talking about setup, one thing that I really crossed my fingers and hoping it was not fake was the Fox uh, special about the alien autopsy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. When yeah. that aired, I was so hoping it was real I, I like I was watching it, trying to find errors. Like, is the telephone the right model for that? year and like the clock and everything but in the end it was a hoax but i was so hoping it was true well three frames of it are real right here go yeah i think i mentioned this last week uh but yeah apparently three frames of that are real um apparently, apparently. allegedly it's it's the three black frames of Lee. yeah exactly start the thing <laughs> the, the, uh yeah i know those are total hoax but uh there's an interesting documentary about how it was hoaxed on netflix there's a documentary show about hoaxes or something i think and uh, like world's greatest hoaxes yeah I think. exactly and they talk to uh is it ray santilli and all that yeah before yeah, he died exactly. so it's uh it's it's an interesting uh idea but unfortunately totally fake uh like the moon landings so i would say <laughs> so uh, alex as an adult moon landing fake yes or no fake the real come on just saying, just, I'm just asking, I don't know. Cause you, you put, you put out the fact that you were preoccupied by this and you never finished, uh, sort of following things up with a definitive statement. So I just wanted to make sure what's next flat hurt. <laughs> oh, well, hey. <laughs> we actually, we actually were planning on talking about that last week and then crossed it off because it's, it's almost like too easy yeah. to talk about Yeah. at this point. And I know that like it's getting mainstream recognition, uh, unfortunately, but at this point, like I think it, we'd, it, it, it would be a bigger disservice to continue to talk about it than to just pretend it doesn't exist at this point until <laughs> we have to deal with it again i agree so getting into the meat and potatoes of uh, the paranormal uh, segment of this episode we wanted to talk about something that could exist may not exist and that's the idea of um uh, otherworldly beings uh, uh the concept of them existing right so we wanted to talk about a recent article from the atlantic uh, all about the fermi paradox and uh, as to whether or not uh life out there exists and the bigger question is whether or not they want to interact with us so i kind of wanted to uh lead this sort of vague for you guys to sort of interpret as you will, but there are three main solutions, right? So uh, according to this Atlantic article, uh, one is that they don't exist. Uh, they're not anywhere. They've never been anywhere. The second one is that life is out there, but not intelligent life. And as we've seen on Mars, you know, there's like microbes and things like that that exist, but nothing concrete, nothing that sentient exists. And the third one, which I think is really interesting, and it's known as the zoo hypothesis, is that there are intelligent beings watching us, but they don't want to interact with us uh, for one reason or another. So I'm kind of curious uh, where the three of you fall on this one. Well, I'm clearly on the Star Trek side of the Prime Director, <laughs> so that's for sure. <laughs> there was actually a couple of episodes in 
every series of Star Trek where they were actually observing a culture that was developing warp technologies and they were there. They were hiding behind fake rock or whatever or holographic like walls just so that they could be standing there and, and like study their evolution. And I'm pretty sure that is the same thing for aliens. Like they're out there, they're watching us, they're listening to us. Well, it's not hard. We we broadcast so much stuff in the ether that like they just listen and they have all of our RF frequencies and everything, every radio, TV or whatever. And they can just, just sit way back and not necessarily like on our planet, but like maybe outside of our solar system. And they have everything for the last past 30 years that is coming to them gradually. And they can just like listen and Eat popcorn, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or galactic yeah, popcorn. Yeah, galactic popcorn. It's purple. <laughs> what about you, Tyler? I'm more of the, it can't be that we're alone. Like, it, it's too big for us to be alone. But then, at the same time, maybe we are. So, I don't I'm, like, on the fence, but leaning towards the, how, what's the name of this theory? The, the zoo hypothesis? Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm very much on record of saying that I'm almost 100% sure we're not alone in the entire universe, but I'm pretty sure that whenever people see UFOs, it's not actually aliens visiting us. I don't think anybody's made contact with us in any which way, be it uh, through abductions or whatever, or UFOs in our atmosphere. I think they're not visiting us because they're too far away and we're so disconnected. But it's kind of sad if the Fermi paradox is an actual real thing and civilizations get to a certain point and then they just die out. That's not good either. Uh, so I'm kind of hoping for the zoo hypothesis. Yeah, I definitely fall on the third one because I think the first one uh, is super depressing. <laughs> like the idea that like we're all alone in the vastness of space. And I do think that like um, the idea of like smaller celled organisms existing on Mars kind of leads to the idea that we aren't alone. It's just a question of when, right? Or, and, and so like the idea of the second theory of simple life existing um, seems to make sense right now concretely. But yeah, I'm definitely a, a third person kind of guy. And I, I think something that we talk about a lot on Double Density is there's that classic extraterrestrial hypothesis. So, you know, when there's an encounter here, obviously it's alien beings from another planet. But we also sort of started exploring the idea that they're not, right? So I've, I've we've talked about the idea of uh, people existing on different frequencies within the same space, right? So the idea of um, people being here um, in the same physical space, but not interacting for whatever uh, different kind of reason due to frequencies. So that's something that I don't lend a lot of credence to necessarily, but I do think uh, could potentially uh, be a suggestion as to what exactly uh, visits us uh, both during the day and especially at night. Well, whenever you bring that up, I get goosebumps because I think somebody's standing next to me watching me podcast. Uh, it, it's a super creepy idea that like people are vibrating at different frequencies and we're all encompassing the same space. Like, do they live in my house or there is, is there a similar house at a different frequency where we're in the same space or am I hanging out with dinosaurs and they're at a, they're in a different a vibrational frequency? Who knows? But it's really creepy whenever I think of it. Not thinking into account the multiverse as we're discussing, just oh, the yeah. sheer size—that's just yeah, uh, just the sheer size of the universe. It's like kids run around in a cornfield and get lost, and it takes days for us to find them. Imagine aliens in the universe, in the billions of galaxies out there, trillions. trying to trillions, yeah, trying to put their finger on our planet. Like, there's no chance 
in hell they're going to find us in our little history. So maybe in billions of years, because our planet and our solar system isn't not even that old. Like it's about what, like four billion years, I think, yeah. or something like that. Well, no, six thousand years. Six thousand years, according to some. Uh, <laughs> oh, is, yeah. that what you're, is that where you're going <laughs> with? All right, we're going to play that game today. Okay, and it's flat. It is, yeah, exactly. And so, <laughs> so like j- just the sheer side of the universe makes up for so much like randomness of encounters that even if everything we've seen in terms of UFO and paranormal, it's all like illusion, optics, whatever, clouds, whatever it is, just the chances that they find us is so remotely small that it's just a matter of time. And time for us is so small. Like we've been here for what, like a couple of hundred thousand years. Yeah. It's nothing in the grand scheme of things. So it's, yeah, yeah. That's and that's a very good point too. I think there's that that fallacy, right, of like human knowledge being sort of like the the tip of the thought pyramid. I guess would be the best way of putting it. But relatively speaking, we're we're babies in this universe, right? So the idea of us of a lifetime of not having seen um, extraterrestrials or made contact with them, you know, is tragic to us. But in the grander scheme of human evolution, it's very very small. There's a in Cosmos. There's like a whole thing where they show the breakdown of time of the universe, and we're like not even a day. It's it's ridiculous. And I love that analogy of the cornfield. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Like Neil deGrasse Tyson tells it as we're in the last hour of the calendar year in yeah. terms of our planet history. So we're so small, relatively speaking, that it's, it's yeah. So I hope they're, they're out there. They're pretty, they're, I'm pretty sure they're out there. It's just a matter of where is out there and how can this out there reach us? Or do they want to, right? Like, and that's the other question too, well, is that like, yeah. I often think about that, like what would draw an alien civilization to want to talk to us or even, you know, maybe they don't even know how to. Resources, man. They want our resources. Well, no. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to say. They're missing something we have. They don't. Well, funnily enough, we, I was talking to Angela about this because last week we talked about Donald Trump's Space Force idea, right? And a, a lot of people are laughing about it, but really when you consider, like, he's made his money on real estate, right? So he sees outer space as this huge untapped market right now, which is regulated by all the nations in the world and therefore neutral space. But if you wanted to start colonizing or, you know, taking over bits of space, you'd need some kind of police or some kind of army, right? So that's Space Force. And I think the more I think about it, the more I think I'm right. And it's it's very scary, the idea of militarizing space. And I think that would actually um, scare um, any sort of beings with any understanding of what we're doing off very, very quickly. Or maybe attract them. That's thinking that we we are alone, meaning that we as a planet just go out there and plant our flags in different planets and here we are we are the master of the universe but in the grand scheme of things we're so small that any smarter alien than us that has a history that is maybe 10 or 20 times longer than ours will be so much advanced so much more advanced than us then they can just eradicate us with a single button press so it's i like the idea that we might in, be involved more in space exploration the the more like an army style thing i'm not too much my kind of thing i'm more of a peaceful exploration kind of guy but and i think the majority of people you know that exist in the world are that same way really because you really just you don't want to go out into space with your guns blazing because you never know what you might get back in the face right exactly. so with civilizations that advanced can you imagine how amazing their emojis are <laughs> like memojis. I love that that's your takeaway. Yeah, just like, how can I bring this back to my family? I want to show you the new space emojis, everyone. But the, <laughs> so 
there's another article I posted from Quartz, which I don't really like. Well, I, not that I don't like their article. I don't like the uh, paper they're talking about where it's like trying to disprove the Fermi paradox or just saying that it, the, the way to disprove it is by saying we're, we're alone. There's no, there's no doubt about it, which I think is silly. Well, they also in the article set a bunch of like really arbitrary numbers as to like why they believe this. To yeah, be, right? exactly. You know, and they're trying to solve the equation based on a number of things that you can't necessarily quantify at this point. My, um, my daughter saw me reading the article and uh, the first image is a picture of E.T. in, um, you know, the famous scene where he's on the bike and they, he lifts the bikes over the, the cops and uh, she's never seen with the walkie-talkies, not the guns. No, exactly. Uh, she she says, "What is that?" Because she's never watched ET. I said, oh, "That's the movie you didn't want to watch that time." She's like, "Oh, is that an alien? I thought it was a dog." <laughs> <laughs> so much for special effects. But the first line of that article is telling. It says, "You know, alien life should be everywhere. The sheer abundance of stars in the universe uh, apparently outstrips the number of grains of sand on every beach of the Earth." So imagine that's how many stars there are. Imagine the amount of planets there are. It's incredible. It, it, it's almost ridiculous to think that we're not, or that we are alone. It's it's kind of silly. Yeah, but it's just a matter of them finding us or us finding them. It's like like you said, like a grain of salt in the in the ocean. Good yeah. luck finding the other grain of salt. Yeah, exactly. You're never gonna. That's the thing. Um, I keep going back and thinking to that to that uh, cornfield analogy. It's like yeah, you lose a, a kid in a cornfield. Uh, good luck finding them. Even here, when we go to like the fair and there's the corn maze, uh, sometimes I worry I'm going to lose my kid. <laughs> yeah. And then you hit the find my iPhone button and you're all fine. Yeah, yeah, no, but no, she doesn't have an iPhone though, unfortunately. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is that, like the next move is to give your kid an iPhone. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's how I'm going to pitch it to my wife is like, uh, hey, look, um, we need an iPhone for the kid, for both kids. So we need two new iPhones. And uh, that's because we'll be able to find them in cornfields. I like the uh, the moxie. I don't know if your wife will go for it, though. Uh, no, it will. It's just, no. <laughs> yeah, the real move is give them your phone. Yeah. And then you get a new phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I like the planning here. Uh, is that something that you want to do, Angelo? Uh, you know, as a security measure, quote unquote? I'll, I'll pitch it as uh, something uh, that came up when we were talking about space aliens, new iPhones. Do you want to call us in? Like, we'll all like video Skype yeah, in exactly. as like, witnesses to the this idea. Yeah, I, I was just thinking of how uh, Tyler was upset when our our dad caps arrived because he thought it was his wife's new phone. <laughs> 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 is she enjoying her phone? By the way, yeah, yes, yeah, she is. Oh, tech is peeking into the uh, paranormal part, but let's bring it back. To close things off, though, I do think that like people want to believe in in these sorts of things. Like, like we were joking about conspiracy theories before, but there is like a basis of belief in a lot of what exists out there. And I do believe that a lot of people want this to be real. Like, I think just using us as a snapshot, all four of us have um, basically said we wish that this were real, and we hope that this is real, but we can't necessarily prove it at this point. And I think that's sort of emblematic of how uh, society feels about UFOs being being uh, or alien species being like a, a relatively real um consideration the Fermi paradox is depressing and the idea is that like ufos are actually coming and visiting us is is more or less encouraging that you know we're not alone imagine like living uh like alone on an island with no one around you um i mean it could be great sometimes but it could be pretty boring at other times so they get the idea of 
people visiting us uh, from other galaxies and stuff is is really interesting. And I think that's one of the reasons people are so hopeful that uh, UFOs are quote unquote real. There's also our biological need to be a social creature. We cannot fathom the idea that we are alone. We need to be in a group. So if that group is outside of our planet, then just naturally we are pushed to think that we are not alone. And that's just our instincts. That's deep, though. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler, do you have any deep quotes? No, sorry. (laughs) Alex is good for those. Uh, Tyler's keeping it factual here. (laughs) Uh, Closing things up, where can people find you guys on the internet? And uh, how often does RGBA come out? And uh, where can people find that? Well, nowadays it's a little bit weird schedule because of summer and things and everything. But usually it's a weekly show. So uh, you can find the show at rgba.fm. You can find the show notes there. <laughs> I get on like my track to my closing of my yeah. show that I've been doing for the last 93 episodes. So <laughs> it, it's hard to just take, go off this track. Uh, but yeah, basically. Go for it yeah, No, no, no. It's, I'm not going to close your show with my conclusion. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, basically rgba.fm for the show. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at underscore rgba.fm. And personally, I'm Valia. So it's V-A-L-L-I-E-R-E-S on Twitter. Mainly there. Uh Otherwise, Ipster Pixel, if you want to read my articles. So if you prefer the written form, then the uh, compared to the audio form, that's where you can find them. Uh, yeah, Tyler? I'm Tyler Minard on Twitter and everywhere else. <laughs> nice. And <laughs> keeping it consistent. <laughs> and as always, you can find uh, Double Density over uh, on Twitter at double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram. Head on over to the recently redesigned double density.net for all of our newest episodes, as well as ways in which you can subscribe to us and take a look at the new uh, layout, as well as uh, the show art, which Angelo was uh, gracious enough uh, to create. And uh, if not, just look down at your podcast app and take a look. That's Angelo's work right there. Well, yeah, you give me too much credit. Uh, you you came up with the idea mostly. Yeah, but it was it was. I didn't have like the uh, the graphic app. We have plan, to so. post a picture of like the the paper napkin drawing we did. Yeah, totally. We'll we'll do that. Yeah, we'll do that in the next episode or, or this week. Even Tyler, Alex, it's been a pleasure. I will definitely speak to you guys on the internet, uh, and maybe in real life we might end up running into each other, uh, exchanging dad hats or regular hats. I don't know. We'll figure something or a, out. Or sure. a t-shirt or anything else. <laughs> or a t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. Pens. Yeah. We'll get uh, pens. <laughs> <laughs> this has been it for episode 62 of the Double Density Podcast. Tune in next week as we discuss black holes. Really, really fun or really, really creepy. I, and I will see you guys later. See ya. Bye. Bye. Because I have exceedingly dry eyes.